Hey, hey, and welcome back to the True To You podcast. I'm really glad to be here with you today. We are crazily almost mid-December and the episode that I have for you today is very cool. This is a very cool conversation. I probably sound like I'm fangirling (laughs) in this one a little bit, but I absolutely adore Alexandra and her energy I think is is the best way to describe it and I do know that someone that has been in theater and been in acting and a dancer and in those very expressive realms they come across just oh they just ooze something some some level of confidence that yeah, some of us need to work work on for a little while longer. I've had a few friends from theatre and acting uh, in my past life when I worked at Lululemon and very much was that there was, there was a certain ear to them, shall we say. And so you can hear me getting very excited because I guess this whole world of acting and more so what I wanted to speak to Alexandra about is stepping into these roles and what it's like to really understand the character that you're playing because if you have been listening to the True to You podcast over the last couple of months you'll know that this idea of character design is the way that we now think about building your personal brand as a business owner so it's a bit, bit of a bit of a flip on how people normally think about personal brand which I think can be a little three-dimensional and this takes it more into the 4D, 5D realms where you're thinking about the energy that you want to bring to certain situations as a business owner, how you want people to feel, the layers of your character from your backstory to your mission and where you're going and why you started your business, why you are the way you are and accentuating certain things about yourself, being very intentional. And so the best way to dive even deeper is to bring someone on who has that background, who has been in acting, who has been a dancer, who has created her own short films and really understands what it's like to step into a role and to play a role because I think there's a lot we can understand from acting and from movies and theatre that we can actually bring into our character in terms of how we want to portray ourselves, whether it be on camera, whether it be speaking on a stage, on a podcast, all of these things are all available to us as opportunities to learn and to go deeper. And I thought, how about we go straight to someone who has lived and breathed this whole world for a large part of her life. And so I'm bringing Alexandra Hume on the podcast today, and we're going to dive deep into the life of this very, very talented woman, right back to the days of her performing shows for her family which I know everyone will get a little laugh at because a lot of us have done that back in the day through to 
her days in Hollywood and some of the incredible projects that she has worked on. And I've linked up her details in the show notes so you can jump onto her website and see what some of these projects are. Some of those you'll be very familiar with. There's some cool ones that take me back, take me back to my younger years as well. And I love Alexandra's generosity in this. She really takes you into the world of acting and what it's like for her specifically, how she approaches getting into roles, her creative process. And it's just really a wonderful conversation. It's very energetic and delightful and lots of fun. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with the incredible Alexandra Hume. Welcome to the True To You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful, creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome, Alexandra. I'm so glad to be here with you today. I'm so glad to be here with you too. I feel like our two little inner five-year-olds are going to like play this next hour together. They (laughs) they so are. They so are. Now, a big reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because over the last year or so and through our business coaching work, we've become very interested in this concept of building a world around your business and as a part of that that's understanding the characters that live in that world and when you get really deep into character there's obviously the whole gaming cosplay side of it but then you've actually got the more traditional acting theater uh, dance all of those elements that that allow us to, I guess, create and design and step into these different characters. So I thought, who am I going to interview around character design, around uh, what it's like to be on stage, what it's like to get these roles, step into these roles and, and all of that. And your name was the first one that came to mind, Alexandra. So I, I'm ultimately, with any of my podcast interviews, I always say this, I'm ultimately fulfilling <laughs> partly my own interest and my own excitement as much as I am going to be giving something new to the audience. So I also just want to say one last thing is that the reason why we we think about our character is because over the years people have talked about this thing called personal brand and it's really important to have personal brand on it and as a small business owner typically you are the face of of your business and it and it is about you and it's often built around you and I think personal brand goes so far but then character design gives us so many more elements and understanding our character so 
there's going to be a bit of conversation around that. We're going to talk a bit about your backstory and we're also going to talk about some more, I guess, technical things about how you, your experience and how you, I guess, uh, use this creative element in your life. So why don't we go back? Why don't we rewind the clock? Because when I was digging deep into your website and social media and don't worry, I wasn't digging out any costs or anything like that. <laughs> I was, I'm not looking for that. I was, I was reading your bio and your website and I was talking about the fact that from really young age, you were into creating characters and, and being creative and dance and all of these elements were a very strong part of your life. So I'd love to know, like, what what influenced you to create and perform at such a young age? And, and then how did that lead you to the stage and to movies and to dance and theatre and all of these amazing things that you did later in life? Such a good question. And, you know, I feel like with any sort of artist that likes to create worlds, you know, that likes to create something other than reality. There's a part of their reality that they are, um, you can call it escapism. We can call it consciously creating the experience you want to have. And I'll call it that. Um, but I grew up in an environment, my parents got divorced when I was very young and it was a turbulent sort of, um, experience. And I also was just like, this is not the reality I want to do 24 seven. So I very much so spent my time creating with nature. Mm -hmm. um, I remember from a very young age, like being outside, we had these big, super tall sunflowers and I would sing with them. Like we would like make up a song together and um, I would create I call it now whimsicals, but at that age, I would just create shows um, where I would write the show, uh, cast the show, create the music for the show, make the costumes, you know, the whole play the lead character. Like I did the whole show and it was my way of sort of creating my day to be in the world that I wanted to be and create. And then um, you know, one of my main collaborators at that age was my standard poodle, Chewbacca, and he became like a lead in all of the shows. And, you know, my siblings would participate here and there. I'd have friends over, they'd participate. But like, if you were going to uh, hang out with me on the weekend, this is like, you know, when I was younger, it was like, this is what we did. We, we made a show. And um, my, my poodle, Chewbacca, he I costumed him in this uh, huge um, bird costume that I won at the state fair and like cut it out and like made one of the eyeballs his nose hole. And like, anyhow, we, we would create shows together. And then in the evening, I would bring the family together and curate um, the experience of us coming together to watch this show. And it was sort of my way of having the experience I wanted to have and bringing the family together to, yeah, they had no, they had no choice. They had to come see the show I made. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think from a young age, it was just like, this is the experience I want to have. And I loved um, creating shows. I loved creating dances. And I was very, always very specific. Like 
we weren't dancing to Little Mermaid. We were dancing to Patsy Cline, Crazy, or Walking After Midnight. Like, these were the things I listened to as a young girl. Like, age five, favorite music, Patsy Cline. Like, hilarious. So I would be very playful, but go to these, like, deeper places. Um, I wanted to swim in the waters of all of the like emotions. Um, so yeah, that's what started me creating as a very, at a very young age is wanting to create something other than I was in, I think. And then it just became what I did. I started out as an actor. And then, um, when my parents got divorced, my mom, she had to like put us both in the same thing. And my older sister was very into dance. So we started going to dance. And the part of dance that I really liked was the storytelling element and um, the part of being with a partner and then telling a story. So like my favorite kind of dancing was partner dancing. And my first experience of that was aside from like, you have your friend over and you create a story together and you tell was um, I was cast in probably age six, um, a production at my dance school. Oh, a spider on my desk. That's always a good sign. Um, I always, whenever I see spiders, I'm like, we're in the creative um, container right now. It feels good. Um, I was cast in a role to play a dog with um, Elvis. And basically this cutie patootie little, uh, I was six, he was six. I had a crush on him and he was Elvis and I was the dog. And we did, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. And um, he like would twirl me around as the dog. He like had me do like back walkovers and he was Elvis. And like, I was, it was now, I now saying it out loud, it was kind of, you know, this guy playing Elvis, me, a dog. It was kind of a thing, but like, this was like, I was really into it. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a big crush on him and we like had this like whole story between the two of us. And there were other, um, there were other hound dogs, there were other Elvises on stage and we had this little like story. And um, yeah, I was part of a dance company growing up and that just is what I've always done. It was just part of me making stories with my, with my, um, being a movement artist and telling a story that way. Yeah. And then how, how did the, how did that become your career eventually? Like what made you go, okay, I love this so much. Was there any driving force from anyone else in your life? Or do you think that this was always, you knew this was your destiny or you did everything possible. I'd love to, to, to make that your, yeah, your life. Like what was that, what was that next stage that got you to being in movies and, and all of that amazing stuff? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I did have a bit of like, it, it was just no question. It was like, this is her direction, but I don't know if it was necessarily comfortable for everyone in my family. Like no one else was really mm. an artist. And I asked to, my mom was always very supportive, but she didn't know where to really like direct me. You know, she hadn't been an artist in that way, but she was always super supportive. Um, I wanted to go to the art magnet school in Dallas, but that was one thing that they were like, nope, not happening. And I think it had a lot to do with they just didn't want me to drive an hour every day there, an hour back. But um, I just like, 
deeply immerse myself in like performing or bust. Like that was kind of it for me. I remember my mom saying like at 16, if you girls want to get a job, you can get a job. Um, and I was like, nope, I dance. Like I, it was just like, this is what I do is dance. And I never really thought about um, anything else. Like even in school, when um, being in like English class, like I would be like, yes, listening, but also creating a costume. Uh, you know, it was just part, it's just who I am. And so um, I wanted to move immediately to LA and they were like, nope, not going to happen. So I was like, great, New York. I'll just go to New York. So at this time I was in Texas. I went to high school in Texas. I wanted to go to LA and just start working. Um, and they said, no, there's earthquakes in California, but they said yes to New York. And so I relocated to New York for college. And when I got to New York, I went there as a dancer. I went there for dance school. My whole like world like exploded the second I got to New York. I became an artist. So previously, like I'd been in just a dance bubble, getting to New York, like opened up like the multidimensional space of, I was exposed to just so much more and like so many possibilities. And I started studying acting again. And I started studying graphic design and visual art. And um, it just like really opened up my scope to, um, to do more. And, um, through this journey, there was just some things that popped and I ended up two years later, relocating back to Texas, had a stint. Um, I was back in Texas and the, uh, director of the Dallas Mavericks, which is like the NBA team here was like, you're mm -hmm. back in town. Why don't you join the, the Maverick cheerleaders while you're back in town? Like, so I joined mid-season, total 360 from being like New York ballet school modern dancer to then I'm a cheerleader, like with a full-on tan. And um, that was the character I played because, you know, we had the push-up, the whole push-up bra, the big, like higher the hair, the closer to heaven, the cell, the tan. And like, my, that was just, you know, it was a character I played because, um, but it was so fun and so healing and good for me because I'd taken myself so seriously as this New York dancer and then to just kind of be in a sorority um, and have that experience. So from there, it's like I had that experience and then um, was in acting school at the time as well. I booked a movie and um, I was during the evening filming this movie overnight shoots during the day, this cheerleader. And um and this movie was my first sort of experience as an adult realizing, oh, like this is a direction, this is this this film and TV direction is somewhere I could go. Because as as a dancer, as a performer, you can go many different ways. You can go company, mm -hmm. you can go, you know, the theater route. And the movie TV film, this was just like very natural for me. I grew up um, working with cameras and like filming like the shows we would put on. And so I was just like, okay, this makes sense. I could pay my bills with this. Let's go this direction. And that first movie that I worked on um, at the audition, he had me come in to audition for the role of the cheerleader. And so I went in and auditioned for the role of the cheerleader. And he, the director just like kind of stopped everything. And he was like, go out in the hall, read this other character, come back in and play. And I want to see you play this character. So I went out in the hall. I like 
studied this this other character and this other character was this like goth really like um just angry uncomfortable drummer basically um and just like a whole different than a cheerleader right and so I came back in and I was just this other this absolute other character that was um this goth energy and quite negative and he was like so I want to have you play both roles in the film and I just have to figure out how to have you be both characters because you're in scenes with yourself so like you be in scenes so like I just have to figure this out but you're going to be in the movie we'll get back to you anyhow he ended up casting me as the gothic character he cast another cheerleader because the logistics of doing that were not going to work but this experience of um doing filmmaking was just like, okay, great. Next step, LA. And so I relocated to LA after that. And it just became my job. And it was just, you know, um, one thing leads to another and you're just um, all of a sudden a circus animal in LA. (laughs) These are facts. (laughs) Wow. That's, uh, I, I mean, I just delighted in hearing that because a, as we were talking before we started recording, this there's parts of me that that I see in you creating. I mean, I feel like every kid talks about play, doing plays and playing around with movie cameras and things like that. Uh, well, camcorders was like, they were so big when I was little. Like you had to put like almost a VHS tape into the camera from what I remember and they were like really chunky. Nothing was really easy when we were little as well. Like that's, that's the thing is that I think you had, your imagination had to go tenfold because you just didn't have a, a phone that you could pick up and record with like you can today. Right. So you needed to borrow someone's, your friend's mom's camera and all of the logistics is so much harder, but it made it so much more fun didn't it because you're like this is a big deal this is a big operation we're putting together here totally and like what's fun as a as a kid you know you haven't been told like what's your end game like what are you where are you trying to get with this film you're making on a Saturday in 1994 and you're like (laughs) I'm just making a film you know but like as you grow older you're like so are you what festival are you trying to get this into like what is your um what is the meaning behind this film? And like, at that age, you're just like, (laughs) you are in the soup of creativity and you are expressing your joy and you're expressing your heart and maybe things that you're unable to process in your day, or maybe things that the people in your life are unable to hold space for you to process, but you're creating Mm. these things. I remember, um, one of my favorite, like, you know, we all have our home videos that we've watched back. And one of my favorite home videos I've looked back at is we had this little area at my grandparents' house that like, I think of as like a stage and it was right in front of their front door, but it had an entrance and it had an exit and it was like the hallways, you know, but it was like, totally looked like a little stage. And I I would, I have them set up a camera and I would just come on and like say, this is sad. And then I would exit and I would come on performing sad and like 
putting sad into movement in my body. And then I'd exit and I'd be like, this is happy. And then I'd come through performing happy. And then, so it's just like, you know, there was no um, reason other than just to express and Mm. play. Mm, mm, yeah yeah and I think that escapism that you have as a kid is is really important I feel like imagination is something that we push down isn't it as as adults we have so many filters and so many thoughts and judgments over everything that we create that as a kid it's it's just so free and it's it's cool to remember those times isn't it it's so, it's so cool. It's so beautiful and so important. And um, yeah, it's that saying like, throw some spaghetti against the wall. It's like all we did was, you know, that's throw the spaghetti against the wall, see what sticks, you know? And it's like, let's just do that all the time. Like, it's fun. It's just play and um, yeah, good times. So you mentioned Patsy Klein as someone that was a bit of an influence for you in terms of the singing side of things. I distinctly remember a few people that that influenced me. I particularly, <laughs> I don't, do you remember the shows? Well, see, these were reruns when I was growing up. So this is probably the second rerun of the shows that my parents watched when they were like, I Dream of Jeannie, yeah. Wonder Woman. Those were my characters that I would often channel when I was little and it's really funny that I just loved that really old 1960s, 1970s type of TV versus what was being created as in the yeah. 80s when I was growing up. What what's what were some of your influences from TV and film that you love to emulate or bring in elements of? Well, I love that you said yours is I dream of Jeannie, because like, yes, you embody her still. Like, good work. Good work on that deep immersion as a kid with that, because you still have her. Um, mine would be, I have this interesting um, thing about me where I will find a song I love, and I will only listen to that song for months, like a crazy person. Like, people are like, wait, we're doing this again. It was almost like those were my mantras. You know, we listen in Kundalini yoga to mantras over and over and over. I would go deep um, with these songs or a certain character. And my favorite, the one that I can just deeply remember um, being very intrigued by was Angelica Houston in the movie Witches. Yes. And I would just like dress like a witch and... um, I was so into her as a storyteller and the like fantasticalness and like the terrifyingness of her and, you know, the magicalness of that film and the, um, the otherworldliness of it. I'm very, very attracted to things that are not reality, you know? So, um, similarly to I dream of Jeannie, like, you know, bob your head three times, like anything like that. It's like, yeah, that's, that's reality to me. Um, so, um, Angelica Houston witches, and I have photos of me being these witches. And it was so cool. Cause years later I worked with her and I got to show her like, this is me at this age, just deeply obsessed with you. And it's so cool to work with you now. And yeah, so huge, huge fan of Angelica Houston. And artists that are very um 
it's interesting because at that age, I didn't know their career. I just knew the character. But it's funny, I go back and all of the artists I was very attracted to are ones that were um, chameleons. Okay. Talk to me more about that. So not Brad Pitt, who, you know, I mean, he does change his, his thing up a bit, but like he, or Jennifer Aniston, she plays Jennifer Aniston, you know, these characters that are like Helena Bonham Carter, um, they play yes. like so many different characters. They have all of these different, um, they play the spectrum of colors and you rarely see them play the same thing over and over and over and over again in different movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So you like, well, what we were talking about earlier, having range with your character. Yeah. And that typecasting thing must be very interesting. I mean, I'm not sure if that's the right word to use. You're going to know more of the technical language around this than me, but I feel like that must be such an interesting thing to grapple with as, as an artist, as a, an actor, because there's a lot of good that can come from being a type cut, you know, typecast as someone you get very good at it. And especially you see it probably more in certain types of movies, like really action movies or rom-com movies or things like that. It's the same characters or the same actors playing those movies. And so it must be quite fruitful because you're like, well, if I do this well, then I'm going to continue to get work. But then if I want to diversify my, the characters, that might have me step into something that I'm new and new territory. What's that? Yeah. What's that like to decide to not go that way? Cause I don't think the typecast way is necessarily wrong, but. I don't think, I think it's wrong some, at all. Yeah. It's just what I was yeah. attracted to. And yeah. what I wanted to like put, like, it was just like what I wanted to do. And it was what I was attracted to. It was what I wanted to do. But it was like my experience um, of this is arriving to LA and starting to have meetings with agents and managers and them all being like, so you're going to be going up against, you know, girls that are models and you're going to need to lose 10 pounds. And you're going to, I go, well, what are you trying to put me for? Because I'm interested in you know, and I would share the different kind of characters I want to play. And it was almost like when I first arrived to LA, um, you have to, here we go, branding, teach them how to treat you. And um, like I arrived looking a certain way. They thought I needed to lose weight. Okay, I needed to lose five, 10 pounds. which is redonkulous. I did not sign with any of those managers. I said, no, I'll go handle my own career. Thank you. Um, but basically very much so if you don't declare the direction you want to go, other people will choose that for mm. you. Mm. And that is not an easy road. Mm. Mm. It's a longer road, you know? And um because maybe the other way is easier and maybe the other way is like how you initially present or something. And it's like these characters that are able to um, 
I'm sure their stories are very much so like they had to press their what they wanted into the psyche and 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 it takes time you know and Helena Bonham Carter walks into a room they're like let's just make her a princess like let's always make her a beautiful and she just like creates these other characters and like brings it to life for everyone but when you first you know it, it's what was her first movie um oh what is it room with a view like she's just this beautiful mm. beautiful woman mm. I don't know if that's her first movie but it's one of my first I saw of her and it's you know you can jump on a train and ride it or you can decide to get off and to get on a new train and you know pave this path I don't think the path of the chameleon you build it yourself or if you get a really good manager that knows the direction you're going and will help you do that you know um but what is that like you got to decide these things and it's very branding you know you decide these things and um press that out and this is this is the this is the direction we're going and um yeah so that was not something that came naturally and wanting to do those kinds of things when I arrived to LA you know and um I I was just like let's we gotta let them catch up to uh where where I'm taking this and it might take some time you know um Mm. so it must be really oh man what a place what a place to I think I think having a I had a professional career in architecture before I dived into this whole world of coaching so I'm a complete 180s but and I think there was a there was certainly pressure in that it's a creative career but it's also one where you've got a there's a lot on the line you've got big budgets you're basically in control of projects. So there's risk and things, but to a certain extent, a lot of careers, the the path is paved for you. You have so many examples of what this could look like, but for you to get there and decide, this is how I'm going to do it. And I want variety and I want this to be an exploration. Like, that must have been, I don't know, like I remember when I was early on my career and you, you're like, I want to do a good job and I want to have security and all of these things, like good for you. That takes a bit of strength to go, this might be a little bumpy and I might not have the quote security of having consistently the same roles come up for me how did you deal with that talk to me what did you have yeah yeah it's interesting you know I very much so am for better or for worse an artist first and yes an artist first and now learning to be a businesswoman but very much so like if it doesn't ring a bell for me like I check in and I'm like if my heart isn't into this it's not gonna work for anyone so very much so an artist first and now learning the businesswoman part. But um, I go back to my journals from that time in my life. Mm. And every single like day entry is, I don't know if Hollywood is for me. Right. Wow. Okay. And um, I moved there because yes, it did pay my bills. And yes, there was an exploration for me, but very much so at the end of the day, like, I want to create 
new things. I don't want to repeat the same story that's on, you know, comes out every year at Christmas. Like I want to create new things, even if it's for a smaller audience, because that makes my heartbeat true to me. Right. And true to me equals it's going to go deeper and wider and like keep growing. And if I keep, you know, it's just, that is, that is that for me. And so my journals, I don't know if Hollywood is for me. And, um, I toyed with like leaving a few times. Um, I immediately moved to Paris right when I got to California, um, for a job and just had this huge exploration, um, with these incredible Russian clowns that I spent a lot of time with. And by clown, I mean, Charlie Chaplin type storyteller, um, this incredible clown named Slava Polunin, who comes from communist Russia. He built this show that he's been creating since his twenties. He's now 75. So, you know, this deep sort of character work that spans a career of 50 plus years mm-hmm. um and working with these artists that you know russian storytelling like i was used to hollywood like uh you do a tv show it's over these people have been creating this same story and building on it um for 50 years and i saw yeah. them on broadway the year i went to paris and um i spent a lot of time with them and learning like that world. And it was like, oh, I was in my fullest truth being over there and doing that. Nothing in my journal said, I don't think being around these Russian clowns and being in Paris is like for me, but Hollywood was not for me. Right. At that Mm -hmm. time and nothing Mm -hmm. against Hollywood, but like the kind of art that I really like, I grew when I learned what it's like to be on a huge movie set in Hollywood and it's amazing and there's great things, but the thing that really makes my heartbeat is like the true, like inside out, like art, you know? And um, yeah. I imagine because part of it is the producers, there's the money side of it, the funding side of the projects, right? That has a huge influence and obviously a whole lot of other things that we probably don't need to get into but then you've got you do have some directors though Uh, you know I think I'm interested to know have there ever been directors that either you've looked up to you maybe haven't worked with or directors that you've worked with and you go these people are more aligned with someone who really just wants to produce art versus aligning with a narrative or because this is what they've been told by someone else. Exactly. So when I first arrived to LA, um, like I said, I left and went to Paris because I was like, Hollywood, you know, isn't for me. But then I grew as an artist and I then came back to LA and then you meet more people and you stay true to yourself and you, it just is a little bit of a longer path. You know what I mean? And, um, I absolutely, there are incredible artists in Hollywood. Absolutely. And you have to be um, very strong to get to tell your stories there, you know, because Mm -hmm. if you write a great story and you sell it to the wrong person, it's no longer going to be your story. Um, But I definitely got to work with incredible directors, incredible producers, that really wanted to make, you know, something that wasn't watered down and was very, you know, new and abstract and different. 
there are absolutely those there. And as I just began, began to grow and like you get to know those pockets of people um, and then starting to work with them one-on-one and um, create work together and then just grow from that. So yeah, absolutely. It's, there are incredible artists there. Um, yeah. And, it, and it's interesting because in any artist's career, I mean, especially one that's making money, right? Like uh, in, in, for instance, Hollywood, I remember working with Michael Rooney, who is Mickey Rooney's son, okay. um, Mickey Rooney, yeah. like yeah. made movies with Julie Gar- Judy Garland. And, um, I worked with Michael Rooney, who's a choreographer. And he would say like, his father would always say that like being an artist is like such a journey on the heart because you do a really cool project that you're so passionate about. And you're like, this is true art. Like, this is amazing. And I'm like, you know, getting to be a part of this really incredible thing. And I feel so passionate about it. And then it's over. And then you do a few other projects that you're like, you're paying the bills. And then a few years later, oh my gosh, like you get to do another project that you are like, oh my God, the people that were involved are so in, you know, and then, and, and so it's a very, you know, and then it ends and then you do a few other projects and they're just paying the bills. And like, I don't know if there's anyone out there that is, you know, um, just able to, yeah. of all that I've talked to, you know, it's like, there's a few, you just got to do a few. And then you just find that crew. That's like, Oh, it's just a magic kismet experience. Mm, mm, mm. Talk to me about some of your favorite, one or two of your favorite roles that you you've played it so far okay I'll share with you about um so I love um the creative process and I'll share with you about this role that came to be through a process and um and it was just a beautiful way of, it was right as sort of like social media was like, it was like around 2009 and right as social media, like we started collaborating with world, the world, like artists worldwide, like can now, you know, it was just like this whole world expanded. And, um, there was this script that was written, um, and it was written by this incredible writer named Sarah Daly, who was this Irish uh Irish writer and she created this beautiful script that was all made up language and then um this artist in Florida read the script and um she created two drawings she illustrated the drawings of the characters one character was um this guy named Morgan M. Morgan Morgan and Morganson and then the other character was this personette and um then from that drawing then um we myself and another actor stepped in and filmed ourselves being these characters we filmed it at my uh like my little loft downtown LA we lived in I lived in like the old Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery down there we had this huge like walls and it was almost like we became dolls like these black and white sort of like 
dolls and like shot this this film um and then from there an artist in Scotland came on and like created the world with like visual design and we just like created this thing together and so this character was called Destiny um and it's actually one of my favorite stories because that I've never shared this publicly <laughs> um but basically this film went to Sundance and um the author or the writer Sarah Daly and I have become very close friends we've been friends for like 12 years and we've made many films together and um after doing another film with her years later I was at the airport and she was like uh dropping me off at the airport and she was like I have to tell you the funniest thing. Um, your character, because my character was Destiny, she was like, that was actually never the name of um, the character. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? So basically, the character was named Personette. Um, it was Morgan and Morganson's Date with Destiny is the name of this, this film. And they always referred to her as the Personette. But when I stepped into the role, I started calling her Destiny. Because I was like, this is Morgan and Morganson's date with Destiny. <laughs> and so I just referred to her as Destiny. I was Destiny. And um, this character. And, the, I, you know, it was just this sort of like the whole coming to be of it all. Like, I remember I posted on Twitter. Like, I want to be like, I posted on Twitter and then the other actor who we were friends he was like hey do you want to play this character it was just like a very um coming together in this very organic way and then playing these characters that came to life in this just and then me declaring her name is destiny and she was destiny and then she got a sequel um which was morgan and destiny's 11 teeth date and we did another one together and then there's actually a feature out there that's like she has a full name. She has like a first name and a lot. Like this, this woman like was a personette and then she became Destiny Dearborn. And so this character that, um, very whimsical, this film and um, very beautiful and all the incredible artists that came together to make it and um, the process of it, the organic process of it. And also the, how, easy it was to step into being destiny um some roles you you have to like it, it was just so organic it was like I put on high heels and a little tiny skirt with like it was just super whimsical and like immediately destiny you know and just like <laughs> um it was also silent storytelling which is one of my greatest passions this was a voiceover mm -hmm. film and um, we were clowns. We were Charlie Chaplin type performance artists that spoke in a made up language, you know, and um, the other actor and I, he was like, oh, so we'll say the words. I was like, oh, no, no, like, like, it's, we're clowns, you know, like, this is straight up. And so it was just very organic. And like all the artists coming together, like, one of the most beautiful experiences, so special. Yeah. Oh. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's so cool. I want to know a bit more about this process of getting into character because the way we we teach it is we talk about these different layers. There's 
the verbal, the non-verbal, there's the backstory, there's the obviously what you wear and and for, you were talking about Charlie Chaplin style characters and we spoke last weekend at our event about Charlie Chaplin, how when he, when he stepped into the clothes, put the mustache on, the little hat, he he really became the character. So I imagine there's so many different ways that actors are able to really embody that character that you know may come from the words, may come from the story. What's your what does your process look like? And I'm look, I imagine this is a big question that's different for every character. <laughs> but yeah. what do you like to pull on to help you understand this person more? So I am every character. And basically, I just press that part of me that is the most um, aligned with that character forward. So I turn the volume up on like, or I have to find it somewhere in me, but I am that I'm every character and I just have to find it somewhere in me, turn the volume up and press it forward. And, um, you know, maybe there's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I've approached everything. And some it's like, oh, this is me every day. Like, I just have to like, yeah, put on the outfit. Here we go. And then yeah. some, you know, live in a space that is a part of me that's very sad or very dark. And I have to live in this for a month. Right. And I'm like, no, no, no. If I'm going to be this for a month, I then will work with, like, if you think of a color wheel mm-hmm. and you think of like, how one color is right opposite than the other and polarity planet, like deep, sad, like deep, like crying is like crying is like the same as it's like right there with laughing. Right. So if there is, um, once I played a character, it was very catatonic and she'd sort of become, she'd become that way because of deep pain that happened when she was little and that happened with her family. And she just sort of numbed out. And um, the way that I made it through that process of filmmaking was I was so present. I had my phone off for a month and off doing this film. I wasn't, um, so to play a character that was so out of it, I was anytime not filming, so present. Mm. So when in process, when having to be in like that, like muddy, painful space for a month, me personally, I will, when not filming, be in the opposite. Or um, when doing that film I shared earlier about the gothic character, um, the director, I was the only one that didn't have to be in character the whole, like, all the other actors, he's like, y'all stay in character because when we're not filming, you're just like getting too out of the film. And like, I was the only one that didn't have to because he saw that when I switched into it, when we were filming, it was um, more powerful to then just go into it. And so I really work with the polarity um, when filming some different characters that aren't necessarily my like you know, more whimsical, like playful spaces. Um, I also studied Meisner and um, we work with like deep preparation. And um, once I had to enter stage after a car accident where I got thrown out of a car and like um, 
you know, by this crazy dude I was dating and like, yeah. So I had to enter with like a whole experience, like a very, you know, um, and the things I did to myself backstage <laughs> before walking onto that stage, it's like, you just gotta go there, you know? And, um, creating these these scenes and bringing them to life um is a very colorful process and the body doesn't know the difference between a real car accident and one that we imagine mm. and so it can be a lot on your health you know so it's very much so if I'm doing a one night this is a one time ever play which was that you know and it's like um you got it. You just like fully do it. But if you're doing this all day for a week, playing this in a film, you have to really take care of yourself and like find out how to like balance that, you know? Um, cause it can be a lot, like this amount of stress that actors go through cause they create these scenarios that they put themselves in. It's like very stressful on the body. It's like you throw yourself yeah. into, um, you know, just these scenarios that you have to play and you have to make it real. So you make it real. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful process. It's such a colorful process. And there's so many different ways to go into creating a character. Um, you can, as a character, a character might lead with their head physically and that can totally change a lot about a character. Where, what part of their body do they walk with? Um, you can uh, press an animal through your um, character. Like if there's this very, you know, uh, weaselly kind of woman, right? Or like if you think of a snake, like slithering into a room. Um, so you can um, play with nature. And how would this owl be present in this meeting? Like, depending on the, there's so many different ways to play with it. And there's, um, it's play, it's play. So you, you try on a lot of different um, experiences and it's very intuitive too. Like my favorite characters, it comes very organically. You don't really have to put a lot on. It comes very organically. It's just like a deep knowing, oh, this is what this, what's needed for this, you know? And one of the wildest things and why I sometimes get nervous when making new projects is because of the things you manifest into your life um, to prepare you for the role. And it just happens. Mm -hmm. So like, once um, I was, and this is a project with that writer, Sarah Daly. Um, she had written a film and they wanted me to come to, where were we filming this? We filmed two in Scotland, one in Wales. I don't remember what this one was. It was Scotland. Um, so I was going to Scotland to do this movie. And um, in the film, I was playing a ghost. And I ended up manifesting a new roommate, which was a ghost leading up to doing this film. And like, right, right before this film came in, I all of a sudden got my like first, my first apartment in LA by myself. Like it was in Silver Lake and it was this tiny little like dollhouse 
um, old from like the 19, I don't know, it was like from the 1940s, not old for anywhere else, but America. Um, and it was very, um, just a tiny little dollhouse. And I ended up when I went to look at it, I was like, the air is really thick in this place. Like it was just thick. And I was like, but I'm supposed to live here. And then, um, the movie ended up coming in. I read the script. And then like a few days later, I like flicked my lights off and I was like, I know you're in here. It's too much. I can't sleep anymore at night. I need you to reveal yourself to me. What was I thinking? Like, what was, why did I like invite this in? So the next morning I wake up, do, 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 like foggy eyed, like walking to the bathroom and on the floor of the bathroom is a black and white photo on my black and white tile of this woman on stage. And it's a picture that I had in my house, but now it was on the floor of my bathroom, perfectly centered um, on the floor and like in between the black and white tile, it was like spooky. And I was like, got it. Okay. I know you're here. Like, let's figure this out. And so for the next few weeks, that picture decided to move around my room. It would just end up in new places. I could not sleep at night. I tried to like, I was like my first time ever living alone. And I've manifested this like crazy roommate. That's a ghost, you know, and it was terrifying. I don't know if I slept those few months. It was like literally nuts. And I remember being outside and uh walking like up our stairs and I saw a neighbor and he's like hey I'm getting ready to leave town for like a month can you get my uh mail while I'm away and I was like I'm leaving town I'm going to do a movie da, da, da. and he's like what's the movie about what are you playing I was like I'm playing a ghost and he's like you know we have ghosts here right and I was like yes I do and he lived right above me and he's like so you've seen them you felt them and I was like absolutely and I told him about the one that like was in my space and it was actually um, a woman that killed herself in his, before he moved in, it was in uh, his space in the bathroom, which was right on top of my bathroom in the tub, which is right on top of my, right oh. on top of where the picture landed. And so he then told me about all of the, stories that had happened in our building there were like three and they were crazy stories it was dark 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 energy went and did the film came home and like magic 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 I lived in that place for six months like I you don't live like your lease is like usually much longer mm. it was like I was supposed to live in that space to have that experience and then right when I got back um from playing this character and like really informed so much of this character informed how I walked through a room. It informed the dances. I choreographed the film too. It informed how the character was part of the furniture. It informed how the character would like appear from the wall. It informed like the textures and movements and thickness and silence and heavy dark energy that was present um and so I manifested this experience to then play that character I'd never previously lived with a ghost had this experience and um yeah got home and woke up one morning to like a hammer coming through my wall and they were like <gasps> doing um Oh. construction on our apartments without getting permission and then they left a note being like we're replacing a wall in your apartment and I looked around and I was like one wall 
two walls, three walls, four walls. Like I lived in a studio basically. And like one wall was going to be replaced, which meant like I was basically going to live in a diorama, which is like, you know, when you're a little kid, you like create a stage with a shoebox and there's like the open wall. And I was like, no, no, no. And like they hadn't gotten permission from the city to like do this construction. So I was able to move out without an issue. And it was so good because it's like I finished that movie. I no longer needed to live with the ghosts. Like, let's move on. Um, But yeah, so like that's also part of like the creating a character and it's mystic these experiences like and it can be terrifying I remember being like oh my gosh like the script's coming today like what is this new script gonna be because I know the power of um you know these like these movies that are like they bring these experiences in and then you get to like live the like experience in some sort of way before telling the story sometimes and it's 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 a lot, you know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What a story. What a story. You've got some stories. <laughs> so just like um yeah, it's funny and I I often tell my friend Sarah Daly I'm like, "Girl, when you have another script on its way, I literally am like sweating." Cause I'm like, oh, now what's going to happen in my life? Like, <laughs> what are we doing this time y'all? Um, but there's always something, you know, to, to grow and they're the, the characters, although they are part of me, help me overcome certain things. Once I played a character that she had gotten her tongue cut out and no longer had a voice. And it was a time in my life when I was starting to use my voice and like was terrified to, um, wow. and so not having a tongue and playing this, you know, cat, like this, this character and, um, the struggles that she had to be able to use her voice and like speak. And it's like, I grew a lot, um, during that time. And it's cool. Cause like you play these characters and as a person, like, hopefully you're informed as well by, um, by your experience doing that. And there's a part of you that has a breakthrough in your personal experience too. And you grow as an artist that way. Mm. One last question I want to ask you that came to mind actually last night as I was thinking about this interview with you. And for someone that plays, obviously you, 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 you are who you are a day to day, but then you, like you were talking about shape-shifting, you, or you're being a chameleon, you know, between these different, different roles. And it makes me think about how we become so hung up on this. And, and I talked about this before, so it's not the first time I've brought this up, but we've become so hung up on this word authenticity and speaking to someone and being your authentic self constantly and speaking to someone who, because of your work, changes characters a lot I wonder how you feel about that word authenticity you know and always this fight to be our most authentic self versus leaning into these characters throughout our life that you know we change because of what's going on you mentioned how experiences you have help you to create really create the character and so I just wonder what your thoughts are on that from someone that yeah. does change and a lot. Yeah. 
So when you think of a cloud in the sky, mm. do you think like when you see that cloud in the sky and everyone sees that cloud and they're like, oh, that's a bunny or that's, you know, that's a, that's a shoe or that's a grandma. But then there's another cloud that comes or the cloud shifts or like you see, um, everyone sees the cloud in a different way. But like, what is it at the end of the day? What mm-hmm. is that thing that you see? Mm-hmm. Is it a cloud? It's a cloud. And so change is authentic for me. Yeah, Change is all I've ever known. I'm very plutonic. Um, I'm given experiences in life to stay authentic through the turbulence, through the change, through, but I'm always a cloud. I'm always shifting and shaping, but I'm a cloud. And anyone that knows me personally, I think knows I'm very authentic, but um, playing with the the shift of winds and staying true to myself through that wind, right? And um, being full of water one day and emptying my water one day and being like a big puffy cloud one day with the sun shining through. And then, you know, the whole sky is a blanket of clouds and, you know, I, it's so funny. Um, Clouds are a big, uh, I don't know. I just love clouds. I actually played a cloud once. Um, I saw a play and the very beginning of the play started like this. Oh, what are the words? Hold. It is. I lived my life as a wandering cloud. I looked out the window and my life was over there. And it was during a time in my life where I was constantly moving around. And when I was in a place, it was like I was constantly wanting to get to the next place. And like, I looked out the window and my life was there. It was over there. It wasn't where I was. And I was constantly, you know, and what is that to be a cloud that's moving around? And like, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very much so true to me to change. And I think of that as like, I relate that to to nature and like the cycles of nature and how that's so authentic. It's just part mm. of nature. Mm. Mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for all of your stories, your sharing around your experience of your work. And I feel as though I could keep talking to you for hours. <laughs> Maybe we need to do a, a part two yes. <laughs> for this one. But thank you so much, Alexandra. I would love to for you to share with the people. I'd love for you to share with the people where they can find you, what you're up to now, any creative projects or any ways that people might be able to get involved with all the other talents that you also have, which we haven't really spoken in detail. About. <laughs> yeah, I'm really passionate about the healing arts. And um, I'm, I've taught this before, but it's a 12-week process um, that's kind of like an Aquarian age artist's mm. way. If you've heard of the mm-hmm. Julia Cameron book, The Artist's Way. Um, and I taught it the first time in 2017. 
And then I got really sick. I had like an autoimmune thing that happened and it deepened the work. It led me into becoming a Kundalini yoga teacher and then a holistic health coach. And it's really deepened this 12 week process that leads you through um, deepening your experiences with the senses which is also a way of um, deepening your experience of being alive and like who, you know, we clear space and then we deepen space and we work a lot with the senses. We work with color. We work with becoming color, like spending like so much time in red and then like becoming that and expressing that in whatever way that comes through. So it's a 12 week process. And I'm getting ready to go deeper into that in 2023. Um, And that's an experience that we do over Zoom. Um, And then turning that into a tangible book, which I'm excited about as well. Um, So next next year, I'm working on that. And then also have a new film that I'm going to be starting to create uh, with this woman that she just said one sentence. And I looked at her and I was like, she doesn't know this yet, but she's about to be the the lead character in a film and that sentence was she was saying how she just got she had gotten so tired and she spent a whole day in bed and her biggest fear this woman is 71 her biggest fear is that she'll never get energy again and she just stays in bed for a whole day goes to sleep woke up with all the energy and felt great. And it just reminded me, this woman is like such a character. She's such a cutie patootie. I'm in love with her. Um, And it just reminded me of the cycles of life, the cycles of nature, the cycles of the day, the cycle of spring, winter, the deep death of winter, when you think it's never going to get better. And then that bud through the green um, of the earth. Right. And um, so working on working on putting that into a whimsical story as well with some films so those are some things and yes um alexandra hume you can find me on all the instagram socials and um my website is alexandrahume.com with like more of my performing creative art side and then awakening with alexandra.com is my holistic healing and my holistic artwork so those are two ways to connect and to work with me. And um, yeah, I'm just so grateful to get to connect with you and look forward to a part two in some way. I just feel we we have a lot more to play with. So we do. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you. Amazing.